If you hunt enough, you learn the truth. What you seek speaks a language and knows it well. That's why every Primo's call for everything you hunt is made the right way. We sweat every detail so you get more out of every hunt. And nothing leaves our hand until we know it'll work in yours. Because we don't just make the world's best calls. We speak the language. Primo's. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that will draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis' ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is Series 2, Episode 56. I interview Misha Gill. He's a local angler, member of the Tidal Potomac Fly Rodders, and an accomplished angler. We discuss fly fishing mostly in south-central Pennsylvania. When we travel over to New Zealand, we do a little bit of the Caribbean. And his last name really is Gill, and that is not a pun in the fishing world. And his wife's name is Brooke. So he's got fishy named family. This podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Ayobayo, purveyors of traditional South African dried meats. If you know about biltong, you know that you cannot buy South African biltong in America. When somebody goes to South Africa, you had them bring you biltong. When somebody goes to Australia, you had them bring you Tim Tams. Back in the day, if they went to Europe, you'd have them bring you absinthe. Or if they go to Cuba, you get cigars. Well, Biltong is one of those things that you really can't get in America except from Vion. He's down the street. It's locally made. It's high in protein. And you can go to his social media, Ayobayo, and look for different types of promotions. And definitely go with the spicy. This stuff is fantastic. It'll last in your gear bags. 
It's fantastic for traveling. So let's sit back and relax. It's a two-parter. First inside, and then the night cooled off, and we went outside on the porch with Dr. Jones. So let's learn about the Latorte and other South Central streams. All right, Misha, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Hey, my name is Misha Gill. I'm an estate planning attorney here in Alexandria, Virginia, and uh, was a uh, an avid uh, weekday fisherman until I my practice actually started becoming a practice. All right. So now I'm fully a weekend warrior, but um, I've been a trout bum. You know, just independently of anyone in my family, I just picked it up one day from fishing in the CNO Canal when I was like seven years old. So you're local to here. Well, I mean, in a fishing sense, and okay. you know, for me, fishing is life. Fishing is everything. And so, if you want to track the beginning of my life, it started on the CNO Canal. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Where was home for you? I've lived everywhere, man. I've lived okay. in Austin. Los Angeles, New Jersey, Massachusetts, uh, Virginia for college, Penn State for law school. Um, Go Buckeyes! <laughs> you're allowed. Your 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 football team of preference. Fruit flies in here from the compost. All right, so we're going to talk about Pennsylvania trout fishing today, and, and bass fishing, and bass. Misha's got Pennsylvania pretty dialed in. Yeah, everyone. I haven't fished with Misha yet, but everyone I've spoken to that's fished with him says that uh, it's a pretty intense experience being able to fish with you. So uh, let's find out what that's all about. So Pennsylvania, you where were you before you moved to Pennsylvania from grad school? Uh, so I was at college in Richmond, Virginia. I went to University of Richmond. Right. Spiders. Uh huh. And did mostly local fishing in college. Uh, didn't really get out west to the trout streams, but more than one time uh but it was always fun in the spring when the shag came up to james i'd take a frat bro out we'd go out fishing what fraternity were you uh five gamma delta all right so five kappa side used to be around the corner they just got evicted a week and a half ago for uh running drugs out of the fraternity house congratulations so imagine this street they're, they're gone that's great <laughs> yeah. imagine this street with a fraternity house from george mason it's disgusting i bet they didn't drive like their kids live here no <laughs> Not at all, dude. They drove like the OJ Bronco. Oh, nice. Yeah, their cars were all hoopties. Oh, I had one of those. I had a in college. I had a not a not a Bronco, but I had a you know it was a, 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 a Isuzu Rodeo. Nice. Uh, or yeah, Honda Passport is what it was technically what it was called a Honda Passport, but it was technically an Isuzu Rodeo yeah. with an H stamped on it. And that was a great beater car. You know what? Want to know how that car died? That was funny because um, I got an internship in New York City over the summer, and I'm not going to keep my car in the city. Not, not that big of a car, <laughs> especially not a car with that shitty of a turning radius. Parked it at my friend's house in Connecticut over the summer, and it was in his driveway with uh, you know nose pointed down. And among the panoply of things that was wrong with this car was that the uh, the sunroof. Uh, didn't close, and so the nose pointing down, uh, uh, it, the, down like a hill in, in this in this uh, um, driveway was a problem because that June we had like 16 days of rain that June, and then it becomes July, and I didn't go out and visit my car, <laughs> and in July it sprouted a mold that. You know, never really went away. So I got my car. I left the sunroof open, went to Manhattan for a weekend, came back, didn't realize it, 
sat down and went uh-huh. and looked at my cup holders were full of water. So nice. I left it open for a week, and then we got another thunderstorm that wasn't spo- that wasn't forecasted. So yeah, it's it's now that it hasn't rained in almost a week and a half, it's finally drying out. But it stinks in there. Yeah. Oh, it was it was awful. I mean, you didn't want to sit in it. I mean, like you could wipe it off, and like the but the mold would come back in like a couple days. Oh. But the ultimate disposition of this car is great because it qualified for cash for clunkers, and that fall I traded it in for you know a nicer car, a Mazda. There you go. A Mazda 3. Well, it was, a, it was a little car, but it got really good gas mileage and served me well Yeah, for a long time. Um, but yeah, thank you, Obama. There you go. Thanks, Obama. I remember that too, the cash for clunkers. Yeah, man. It was like exactly eight years ago. My friend used to call it clinks for clunks. <laughs> she couldn't quite get the terminology quite right. Probably too bad I can't do that with my car now. All right, so you, you finish up U of R. And yeah. you decide, I'm going to go to grad school. i got places all over the country, but I'm an angler. Uh-huh. I like to fish, so you're like Pennsylvania. Um, like maybe Sacramento. Uh, I looked at places in Oregon, West Coast, you know, Colorado, UC system. I looked at, you know, everywhere that had potential fishing I was, was, was a possibility. And I realized I had an opportunity to dictate, you know, that, that that one variable <laughs> in grad school, if no other variable, and so uh, you know, to my wife's chagrin, I didn't apply to any schools in DC. My my wife got you know I met in college, okay. yeah, I met her in college, and uh, at, uh, we we started dating junior year, and she got a job in DC right after college, um, and you know she was like, why didn't you apply to any schools in DC? And you know, two reasons: uh, cost of living and no trout streams. Um, so Pennsylvania uh, became the best option. And when I got in three weeks before school started, it's a bit embarrassing to admit, but I was waitlisted at Penn State and got in three weeks before school started. And um, it, Penn State has a dual campus system. They, there's law school and state college, but then there's also law school in Carlisle, which is where Dickinson College is. So uh, it's two hours closer to D.C. and was a reverse commute. So that was important for, you know, life reasons. I just had a conversation with one of the neighborhood moms that went to Dickinson. She never heard, of, I mean, she never knew about the Latour and all that. No, of course not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's an inconspicuous little piece of water unless you have any idea what swims in it. Right. <laughs> but uh, it was great because, you know, my second and third year of law school, I lived directly across the street from the Latorte. So you could just walk out and be like, all right, there's caddis on my my porch light. I'm just going to go tie a caddis and walk over there. Yeah. That's criminal. No, the best time, the best time to go was in the middle of a thunderstorm. Uh, well, not a thunderstorm, but like a, a really heavy rain shower and, you know, strip like a minnow imitation yeah. through those, through the pools. Um, the biggest trout of my life, I mean, I've been to New Zealand, the biggest trout of my life came from the Latour. Vince Marinero said after one trip he would never go back without a salmon net. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Little yeah. stream. So what is it about a stream? So we'll get into all the, you know, the, the topography and geology, but what was it about the Latour that just made it a fish-producing stream? Sure, yeah. Uh, invertebrate life that is fueled by uh, the alkalinity of the water fact that it is limestone spring creek uh, it, it allows for in, incredible insect life because you know what do 
um, invertebrates build their carapace out of it, it well it's calcium calcium carbonate exactly calcium carbonate and if you have an alkaline stream it it, it, it promotes that kind of growth if you have an acidic stream well that you don't get very much uh, uh, invertebrate life and that's that and that spring that um, limestone aspect of Pennsylvania is what makes so much of it so good and that limestone aspect of it is what makes it different from one valley to the next because in some valleys you'll just have limes like no limestone at all but a valley over you'll have limestone um, and so you know if that's just the ticket and it's kind of spotty through there and it you know throughout the Appalachians the limestone is kind of dappled like that if you ever look at like a uh, the limestone belt uh, of deposits in the Appalachians, you'll see like a concentration in like south central uh, Pennsylvania stretching down into western Virginia. Um, and anywhere there's limestone, there's fishing. I remember reading Rosenbauer's Prospecting for Trout years ago. He said, if you're driving down a country road and you see a limestone building, you know there's a trout stream nearby because they had to have gotten it from somewhere. Yep. So every time we pass one, I'm like looking out the back windows. Yep. Another time. Another, another thing he said in that regard is, um, you know, uh, if you're at a at a at a country house and you see that that ring of pink around the fall, around the drain in the sinks. Really? Yeah. I thought that's yeast. I hope not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the pink in bathrooms and showers is yeast. Maybe okay. So maybe it's not that it's maybe it's like the yellowy or okay. something. But you see, or you can you can tell from the water. Uh, that you know from the deposits that the water leaves that it that it's limey it's just we got nothing but like clay here <laughs> all, yeah. all our creeks have right here are black nose days yeah. that's it that right <laughs> nothing else that that stream i drove over has nothing in it but yeah. but days hopefully though if they take out akatine dam the snakeheads will come up here yeah. these are all uh Akatine creek tributaries what would they eat there'd have to black be a reason for days. them to come up yeah there's some frogs. Frogs, cicadas. Yeah. The cicadas here were nuts. Oh, it was great. Definitely. It was great. I, I refused to wipe off the their their shucks from my shed just because I like seeing them there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still finding them all over the garden. It was yeah, intense. no, they're coming up a little bit still. They're like a straggler here and there. Dr. Jones killed a few. Oh, hey, yeah. Buddy? Jones. He's all chill. <laughs> you notice he's got an Orvis bed, but it says Bella on it. How come? It was $5 at the Orvis clearance sale. Oh. <laughs> it's a little big for him. That's where my wife put him now. He used to be chilled out on the, the carpet in the what we call the parlor, the cocktail room, but she kicked him out. Hmm. So the Latour, how often were you just out there? Like, how do you balance schoolwork versus world class trout stream? Yeah, challenge. Uh, not well. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, uh, shit, law school is so intense. But, you know, there were times that, you know, I've, it was always great to, to just, you know, settle your mind to go out there and just, like, watch the stream. Oh, there's uh, benches down there. There are. There I love are. that. By the mailbox? Mm-hmm. I would just sit there. Back before I had the kid and him, I'd be up on the Latour and Falling Springs, you know, like, weekly. There were times that I'd take out just a, um, a uh, camping chair, wait for the trichos to oh, start falling. And just watch. Yeah, the first time I ever fished the Latour, I got so damn lucky. Uh, it never repeated itself. I, I, I ran into a trico fall, and I had some old 7X mono, and I snapped three fish off. 
fishing a Griffith's net in a fog and uh, I was so mad but like that day I, I got some key intel other than you know obviously there are fish in here and they will sometimes rise I saw a giant 20 inch fish that I went back and I caught just a couple weeks later Sipping. yeah yeah oh in, a, in a hole under a tree yeah and it's a it was a buttery brown I'll show you the picture it's it's just spectacular um, but yeah I mean there was another time you, you asked about concentration like in, in with regards to school and like obviously that's a challenge and also it's you know my escape is is the fishing um and you know there were there was a time i, I had an interview with the sec at like eight thirty in the morning and i went out fishing beforehand and took the interview in my car nice got the job very good i don't know if it was coincidence or you know symbolism <laughs> does your wife fish no no, except during the shad run. I'll take her out for shad every year. And last year. She, she got an American this year, man. Nice. There were more from shore this year than any other year. Oh, it was fantastic. Okay. It was fantastic. There was a strong run of Americans this year. It was great. Was so five, nice to see five, them. We were fishing five weights, and it was just nuts. Oh, <laughs> those hickories are big. They, I would think that'd be a little... It's fun. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah, you just find them with the butt. Yeah. <laughs> How often do you get to do that? I, yeah. Damn. My wife had something in the house, and now there's fruit flies. I don't know what it is. It's not that. Yeah, we're just like swatting at them. <laughs> so what other... So you were based in Carlisle most of the time? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All the whole time. How, um, how many years were you up there? Two and a half. I had a, it, my internship at the SEC brought me down to D.C. for the last semester of law school. And you could just drive the sheets also whenever you wanted? Oh, yeah. My goodness. You know there's no sheets in Fairfax County. Is that right? Or Wawa. They're putting 50 Wawas in D.C., but Fairfax yeah. County... Jeez Louise. The Wawa in D.C. sounds like it's going to be awesome. Yeah. They're going to have, like, porters on tap. So let's say someone's going to go fish Latour. And what is it, like two, a little over two hours from here? It's right on It's right on the nose, too. Yeah. Well, so what, do you need waders? Uh, or do you stick to shoreline because you probably sink? Well, yeah, you sink. And that's the thing that makes the Latour really tough is that you can't get the proper casting angle without wading through two foot of muck and I, and I mean two foot down not two foot barrier uh, two foot like border it's like you know if you want to get in position for a fish that you know is there it's like you got to really plan your approach um, the the thing to do is to um, know where the solid banks are and uh, you know what I end up fishing right in Carlisle in um, it's off. It's off of Pomfret Street. It's at Pomfret and South Spring Garden. It's the Tort Park because it has solid banks. So I've only fished this section by. There was like a quarry, maybe some concrete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's some. There's there. some hard bank. There's some hard hard bottom there. Uh, and there's and then there's you know it, it's a very short stretch of hard bottom. Now years ago, the big debate was they're putting a Home Depot in, and the worry was that the runoff from the hot asphalt would kill the trout. Did the Home Depot go in? Um, not that I'm familiar with, um, the, what, what the, the stream, the water quality problems that the Latour has is entirely because of surface runoff. And it's not just because of temperature. It's also because of like chemicals, like people wash their cars and people wash their cars and you know, whatever else it it gets into the surface water from a, from a, from your regular town. Yeah. Yeah, lawn fertilizer, obviously a big problem, but, I mean, it just makes the weed beds grow bigger. True that. Um, 
You know, the, did you ever fish the big springs before they closed the hatchery? Uh, yeah. That yeah. place was nuts. Yeah, it is. It's totally nuts. It's, I mean, it, nutrients. <laughs> Those fish would be perpendicular to the current because they were just so fat. <laughs> yeah, they could. They could. They just didn't give a shit. Yeah. And there wasn't, there's not much current in that ditch. They call it the ditch. It's just a, it's a dammed up headwater is yeah. what it is. And it's, the nice thing about that is that it's, it's at least got a solid bank. You know, uh, the, again, the, the entire reason that the Latorte is hard is because, well, the fish don't rise to hatches very much except for that trico spinner fall that I ran into. Like, there'll be sulfurs floating down the, their merry way down the, the surface of the water, and the fish will not eat them. And you can watch big old fish not eating Is that because the they're, they're just buried in the weeds eating crustaceans, like crest bugs? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, they get all the nutrients they need from the crest bugs and... Whatever. Why spend the effort rising and going up when you can just sit there and grind your nose in the weeds and shake things out? Yeah, I think that's what it is. You know, not not just the effort, but also just revealing their position. Like a fit, the only time that you can see it, you will find a fish steadily rising. I mean, you'll see rises here and there. Steadily rising is in a fog when there's a, you know early in the morning or late in the evening. When there is that mist coming off the stream, is that because the water's colder than the air? No, because they have overhead cover. No, the mist though. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Because the water is so cold and the air is so hot and humid. Right. Yeah, but that the overhead cover, I'm convinced, is what it is. Like you know, these fish just there's no reason to risk giving away their position for these flies Mm -hmm. if they can just go ahead and get their nutrients another way. And you know, so even if you did have green drakes in there. Man, I don't know if they'd eat them. Do the people around it appreciate it, or are they just like, yeah, I got a creek in my backyard? Oh, absolutely the latter. It's absolutely just like, ah, did you drag a spinner through here? What happened now? Oh. <laughs> this is Well, this is the heritage water, man. Do you, you drag a spinner through here? But, you know. You, I find it blasphemous, but that's that's like my father-in-law. you got to be diplomatic in that situation. It's like, it's it's more fun to at least just commiserate with the person and be like, yeah, these fucking local bureaucrats. <laughs> than it is to actually express your opinion. <laughs> so what kind of, so we, you need waders. What about rod? Like a eight and a half foot four weight kind of typical. Yeah, it is tight. It is tight. I mean, there's, there's definitely trees around and you definitely need to, you definitely need the, the the nimbleness plus the plus the ability to cast a sixty foot line. Yeah, so I mean eight and a half is perfect. Eight and a half foot, uh, four or five. I mean, I would want the five just because the fish are big and you might want to strip a stream. Backbone. What about the leader? Yeah, are you going long and thin. Oh yeah, yeah, real long, real long, real thin. Is this uh, like like when you're in New Zealand, kind of same like stealthy. More like the South Holston. <laughs> I haven't been there either. That's a it's an awesome awesome stream. Uh, but like my secret weapon on the Holston is the furled leader. That it's ex- furled leader guy. Well, only in that instance. Okay. Only in that instance when you got when you have these fish that are real line shy because they I mean they get a lot of pressure and they when you they get a you know brightly colored fly line flashing over their head the the furled leader is a not not colorful but also you know, just kind of opaque and dingy. It's not like it's not going to flash. Um, and so you end up with a 16 foot leader that uh, furls out, that unfolds just like a regular cast. 
go monofilament, you go like uh, fluorocarbon tippet. Uh, fluorocarbon tippets are always advisable, but uh, you know it really depends what you're what you're fishing. I mean, like look here in the in the Latour, attractor nymphs work. That's that's the thing that people don't realize is they think oh I gotta go real small I gotta go real real uh, imitative but I mean just an impressionistic fly can do really well in there would if, you fish like, after living there for a while did you start like taking those and then adapting them to your needs and coming up with your own flies uh, not so much I mean uh, I'm a believer in classic patterns actually I don't really I don't really no like green involved I don't really like gimmicky patterns I I really like a good old hairs here like Royal Wolf, Adams, you know, just the flies that are tried and true. And, you know, I put my my own variation spin on, on them, like my my hair's ears, I tie them sexy. Put a, put a gold hoop earring on them, there some black go. lace on them, lingerie, yep, yep, right. yep, and a uh, little pink lipstick. There you go, I like that. <laughs> So a gold bead had a, a pink collar and uh, you know some black legs. <laughs> yeah, I like them sexy. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, man, that fly catches anywhere. Do you ever do two fly rig, dry dropper, dropper? Dry dropper works really well on the Latour. Yeah, and mainly for that dropper. I mean, you, the terrestrials are the best bet if you want to get them on top. That's where it was invented, right? The jam absolutely the coffee bean fly. Yep, absolutely. And I'll tell you what. That's where I learned the value of an ant. Yeah. I just love ants, man. It's that formic acid. I don't know if you've ever eaten an ant, but they're kind of lemony and they kind of tingle. Is that right? It's like if you put lemon Gatorade powder in your hand and just kind of ate it mm. and licked it. Mm. That's kind of what ants taste like. Nice. Uh, they're, they're also basically just pure caloric intake for the trout because their, their exoskeleton, is it, they digest it as like pure sugar, basically. All right. So I'm told. So I read, I should say. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're basically just made of, uh, I mean, they're made of chitin. I liked, I liked chemistry in, in high school, but I have not, I have, I have a license to play with words. I have no uh, license to play with uh, the periodic table. I right now. We'll, we'll do that later. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, let's see what else. Polarized glasses, of course. Absolutely. Are you a, do you have a brand preference? No, no brand preference. I mean... It, I, I'm, I'm sure Coast's work as well as anything. Uh, it, it, I, I use Smith because yeah, I worked at Orvis and that's what yeah. we had. And uh, they're great. I love polarized. I think polarized glasses are one of the greatest inventions of mankind. Honestly, I mean, it's such a game changer. Yeah. And not having them is such a, you know, uh, handicap. When I'm out with clients and I'm like, twitch it, twitch it, pause. They're like, why do I pause? I'm like, well, there's a huge bass right they're like where and I'm like I hear my glasses and then I have to hide my eyes because I don't want them to hook me that's the biggest fear when I when I give somebody my costas to wear if they just got like you know gas station glasses on I'm always worried you're gonna like don't hook me in the eye dude but yeah polarized glasses that also just for waiting mm. it's for safety yeah yeah seeing where you're stepping right absolutely I don't wait without a without a freaking waiting staff anymore man uh, you know, I'd rather save myself the money on the disability insurance and not have a busted up back. I found a full staff in the Salmon River a couple years ago. Did you? Had ca- uh, caddis all over it. Oh. Pulled it right out. 
Totally. I was looking down. I was like, what is that? And I reached in. I'm like, oh, it's a $110 waiting staff. Sweet. If I don't have one, I'll make one. Just a ad hoc waiting staff for the day. Do you leave it behind so the next guy? Yeah, can, yeah. Yeah. I always appreciate that. Yeah. There being a good stick nearby if you need yep. it. <laughs> it's for that guy that needs it. So one idea I've had. So the Latour has got like the benches and the mailbox. I want to do like a tiny bookstore on a trout stream. Oh, that would be awesome. Some tippets, some little sunscreen, maybe a pair of glasses, uh. some flies. Like if I owned a fly shop near a stream, I would totally have just like honor system fly fishing sundries. Yeah. Like if you had a fly that worked, maybe leave one behind. Just you know, like some floating. Because I was in Colorado last summer, I needed floating, and I'm like, dude, yeah. I need a whole bottle for like two hours of fishing. Had to walk like six blocks to the shop and get it, which is not much, but uh, could have been fishing. I always thought that'd be really cool. You know, if we did one around here, that would just like you'd open it up, there'd be like a poop in there, and you're like, great. <laughs> people here just don't respect anything. That's right. That's right. So, what other streams did you fish? Um, uh, the Susquehanna. So yeah, so not just trout. Yeah, not just trout. I mean, it's, it's smallmouth bass and trout heaven. That's what. That's what's so awesome about Pennsylvania. Um, Clark's Creek, I fished a bunch of times. Um, and, oh, of course, the Yellow Breaches is right there. Um, I, I'm a big Yellow Breaches fan. When I was, oh, this is going to date me. When I was single, so we're going on. You were single? Like 18 years ago. <laughs> My wife, so we're doing this podcast, we're in the kitchen now. My wife is stuck in Rome, of all places, um, so we can talk fishing in the house. Oh, yeah. What a luxury. Yeah, I can't really ever do this. Uh, yeah, so back in the day, and I, this, God, I, was, I was dating a woman in Manhattan, so I had my weekends free unless I was like going up there for something. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So I would, uh, I was working this awful job. I was making 25000 a year, mm. working about 45 hours a week. 18 years ago, 25 a year? Hmm. Oh, my God. I don't know. In the yeah. city? No, this was out in Reston. Oh. Awful company. I just I just walked out one day. I was like, screw you people. Mm. As I'm sure they deserved. So I uh, I would go up to the breaches every Saturday. Yeah. For months. And just just beetles. Oh, yeah. Beetles. beetles up there. Bill, yeah. Specifically Bill Skilton beetles. Okay. I would have to get you some Bill Skilton phone before you leave. Yes, please. I'm going to make a note. Yeah, no, I... I, I definitely learned the beetle thing. I mean, they they come beetles and ants, man. I mean, I'll fish those anywhere and everywhere. Last uh, early a month ago, a month ago, I I fished the Cotteris Creek up in it's in South Central Pennsylvania as well. But it's a it's like a it's a tailwater technically, um, and you know they weren't eating anything. And I went through twenty different flies before I settle on an ant and then I just you know from then on it was just like move from spot to spot to spot get a fit, hit from every fish in the in the run and make my way to the top of the run and back to my car 
Freaking ants and beetles, man. It works so well. Bill Skilton had this foam ant, and I might even have one downstairs I can show you. Because mm. I still I collect flies from people. It looked like just an engorged tick. Just this brown. <laughs> if you think of that old candy like dots on the paper you would eat, just that kind of like rounded top, and you would splat that down, and it was like brown trout crack. Uh-huh. That was bad. Orvis used to sell them, so I would oh, really? just buy them. Oh. And then I'd go up to the breach's shop and buy the phone, but they were never as good as Bill's. Kind of, kind of like a ladybug. Yeah, and man, I used to fish the breaches like I would do the white flies in August, mm. like mm-hmm. get there at like six thirty at night, mm-hmm. even like ten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're fishing by sound as much as by yeah. sight. And after I, I mean, that was back when I couldn't buy a trout. And then by the end of like two summers, I dialed it in. Yeah. Do you ever fish outside of the special reg section? I would go down below where it would bend, mm-hmm. and you'd have the houses that were right on it, and yeah. I would just I would just smoke those fish. Yeah, whale on them. It was uh, the Orvis Travis Beta Bugger. So this was before I came up with my bacon fly. It's the only streamer I'll use for trout. Okay, but the Travis Beta Bugger, I have two. Oh, you don't like still. you don't like the slump buster. I won't fish anything but the bacon. I mean, I missed a thirty inch rainbow on it last summer. I'm sorry you missed that fish. Yeah. <laughs> I was on, it was a four weight, a sage five piece four weight, like XP old. I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> no net. You know, I love that feeling though. You're like that fish is almost too big to cast. At. I mean, it, was, it was a salmon, it was a freaking salmon. Yeah, I need to just leave a five and six weight out of my in laws in Colorado. There you go. Yeah, the breaches, man. I mean, and the thing is, I tell people, even when I worked at a fly shop, like, everyone catches fish on the breaches. It's true. You go to the top parking lot, and all these old dudes are fishing honey bugs and size 22s, and I'll rip my bacon fly through there and catch, like, an 18-inch rainbow on 0X. And these guys are using, like, Japanese 10X. And I'm like, feed them, like, a T-bone steak, dude. (laughs) Don't give them an (laughs) M&M. Although M&M's sometimes work really well. I was on the, the Virginia portion of the South Holston a week ago. Uh, on, so the the South Holston tailwater, right. they were generating water, and you know, when they generate water, you can't wade. Uh, so I was looking for somewhere to go that I could wade, and so I went up to the South Holston part that's in Virginia. They call it like the South Fork or something like that. Uh, and they're, it's, it's interesting because they... They supplement the feeding. They supplement the diet of these fish. They're, they're naturalized wild rainbows in browns and brooks, but they'll go by every day because there's a fish hatchery right there where you fish, and they'll go by and they'll you know toss them some pellets. I have brown McFly foam just for that. Pellet flies don't work, according to the guys that work there. Don't work for you? No, no. Really? No, what worked was a size 20 purple midge. How about that? M&M. Yeah, exactly. No, I hooked fish that were too big to land. The guy that, um, that one of the guys that told me about it, he said he, the biggest fish he ever caught there was a 30-inch brown. Holy crap. Yeah, on a black zebra midge. Wow. Yeah. And it wasn't that snagger dude. Uh, what's his name? Randy? Randall? That Randy. was on Facebook a couple years Randy. ago. Randy. The guy used to go snag the fish. And post pictures of them. 
like thirty inch fish off of reds. Oh, oh, that, that was. A oh, oh no, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, 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 he was a dick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, and he and he would get like social media love out of it, and that was like his whole thing. And like, right. what a narcissist! Yeah, like, he, he'd put him on the stringer, like South Holston fish. He'd put him on a stringer till sunrise, and then take a picture and then release them to do it the next day. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. The antithesis of what we are about. Exactly, hundred percent. All right, so Susquehanna. Okay, I know you're. You got a canoe up there. You take. Uh, I've boated it many times. I have a. Inflatable kayak and an inflatable pontoon boat. Uh, is if what you I want got. to borrow the canoe, it's right it's by the shed. Uh, I'm good it. for boats. Okay. Uh, uh, we got to take that one out. Though. We got to go take yeah. that guy out there. So, covered in brown trout skin. Like any good hunter, you clad yourself in the skin of your quarry. Now, if you, I, you probably didn't notice, but the high water mark on it from last time you were out is nothing but uh, midge skins. The <laughs> nice. entire boat has got a, a ring of midge skin. Cool. Cool. And yeah, most of my neighbors are like, oh, it's a camouflage boat. So I'm glad you know it's a brown. <laughs> uh, so is, you know, the one thing you hear about the Susquehanna is that it's been going downhill. When your, your time up there, did you notice? Did you hear things? Well, I mean, my frame of reference was so small that I wouldn't have noticed any change per se. But uh, I'm told it's going back up. There have been some very promising developments uh, regulatory-wise. I mean, like we're... We're starting to pinpoint what might actually be the problem with these intersex bass, and it's you know people taking their prescription drugs and flushing, flushing them out Every of the toilet. Woman that takes birth control excretes it out. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know so uh, you know for a long time I wanted to blame it on the neonics, the neonicotinoid pesticides. Uh, I wanted to blame it on that uh, because that the fit a narrative, hormones. but you know no 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 that's. The neonics are what uh what uh, uh they are blaming the decline of uh, honeybees on. Okay. Yes. My mom always. You're not using whatever pesticides. I'm like, no. I pull the weeds. She's like, you're killing the bees. I'm like, do you see my flowers out there? I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm good to <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It all, it all goes in the water. That's right. That's if we are drinking local beer, then our water's local. Man, the Susquehanna is such a ridiculously cool drainage um it used to have a run of salmon did you know that no yeah if, and that's we, way before the conowingo right if there's five dams on the on the susquehanna really what do you think would happen if we got rid of them what do you think would happen if we oh reintroduced freaking atlantic salmon those fish would you'd get pennsylvania freaking atlantic salmon in the middle of the damn state no, way no, way that up the little junior same susquehanna that i cross when i'm going up to like pulaski and I'm, I'm near, like, Binghamton? Mm. Uh, there's a couple branches of the Susquehanna up there, uh, I'm, and I'm not completely familiar because they were all two and three hours away from where I was going to law school. Um, it's a huge watershed. It's humongous. It drains it's New York like the, and... It's the Chesapeake Bay. It's basically... It's 50% of the Chesapeake yeah. Bay. Exactly. 50%. So I was at my buddy Ira's house last weekend. He's on the Magathy River near Annapolis okay. and he says he, I mean when I say he's on the water like we pulled crabs out and walked to his kitchen and he cooked them mm. like 30 steps nice he was saying that the water the, the clarity of water in his backyard is based on the Conowingo releases mm -hmm. that far away because mm -hmm. it's that much of a drainage that can brown it up well Annapolis is built above the Potomac which is the other 
thirty percent, right? And then the rest of it, making those numbers up. I the only number I know is that fifty percent of the water in the Chesapeake comes from the Susquehanna. That's a huge drainage. It's humongous. It's humongous. It's such a cool river, and right now what it has is a a, a population of smallmouth bass that's you know suffering a little bit. But it was such a strong population that it, you know, is still world class compared to, you know, ninety five percent of smallmouth bass fisheries in the country. Um, so you'd rather so down here? Would you rather drive up to fish the Susquehanna for smallies versus doing like a Potomac trip? I hate to say it, but yeah, I've done it a bunch of times. I mean, the Clouser um, Minnow wasn't invented up there, you know, for no reason. Right. There were some big fish up there that they needed to catch. I mean, I was at CCA last night, and, like, the presentation was on smallmouth bass in the Susquehanna, and it's like, you go in May, April or May, and you catch 30 to 50, you know, 16 to 18 inch fish. And that's, I mean, that's on spin tackle. You, uh, spin tackle, you catch a lot more fish because you cover a lot more water it's literally just that i mean the the it's not as it you know it's not as tangible hands-on type of fishing like you know fly fishing is um but it's you know a little more efficient in the (laughs) to say the least about how you cover water and you know get your opportunities uh, I mean, a fly rod just can never compare to a spinning rod in a place that it, in a in a river that is not just a hundred yards wide, but hundreds of yards wide, and uniformly like three to five feet deep the whole way across. Uh, so, I mean, like a, a spinning rod is a very efficient way to fish that water, uh, but it is also the home. Uh, the heritage water of fly fishing for smallmouth bass because there are so many fish and you really don't have to cover so much water if you don't want to and still have a fantastic day it's really just about what is your expectation 20 to 30 fish or 40 to 60 fish Uh, i mean like either way you're having a fantastic day and if you're fly fishing for them then you're just going to connect them in a it's 2D versus 3D, in my opinion. All right, so let's talk gear for the Susquehanna. If we're using eight and a half foot fours and fives and waders and sexy nymphs on the Latour, what are we throwing and what are we gearing up for on the Susquehanna? Uh, so you want you want a seven or an eight weight because these are big fish. Um, you can't go wrong with a black woolly bugger. I mean, I call it the popper dropper rig. Uh, you put a popper up top, and then you drop a black woolly bugger behind it, and you can catch every fish in that river. Call, do you like Carolina blue, chartreuse? Whatever you want. Really? Rubber legs, deer hair? I mean, you're not going to fish a big old deer hair swimming bug but just, with a dropper. Just get waterlogged. And yeah, it would, it would defeat the purpose of catching a fish on a deer hair swimming bug. Like the Dahlberg diver is... It's a swimming bug that, you know, the fun of fishing it is that it's like a topwater Rapala. It, like, it wiggles and is sexy in the current, and you see the strike. I wouldn't fish that with a dropper. Um, but, like, any boogle bug, any boogle bug you want to fish with a 
with a size six black woolly bugger behind it. Now Art's saying Boogle Bugs passe now. It's the double barrel poppers for him. <laughs> yeah, and the AR-15 is the best rifle in the on the market. <laughs> uh, sure, you can catch fish any way you want. It doesn't bother me. I got all upset because they cut all the trees down on four mile run. I used to find boogle bugs in those trees. Uh, <laughs> it's like finding a six pack of beer. Man, I'm mad that I didn't get myself out there for for the cicadas when uh, on four mile run when they were coming off. Did, um, did you have any luck on that? I don't think we heard any down there. No way, man. There's no way. There were so many cicadas coming off around me. Where do you live? Two miles from there. Oh, okay. Maybe. I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, the thing about the cicadas is you don't have to hear them or see them to, for the, there to be effective fishing. I mean, yeah. a fish eats one cicada and knows I'm going to look for that again. You got a preference for a cicada fly? I just have a homebrew fly. Alright. It's just foam and orange body with a... I mean, like, it's literally, you can you can catch fish on, on that pattern, just literally just like a rough-hewn cicada body out of black foam and orange dubbing. And I added a deer hair wing, and I caught, I did really well one time with just that fly. But, I mean, I've made it a little prettier now that I, I've tied a lot more. Like, I add, like, a black rubber tube ribbing to the, dubbed body just to give it the segmentation because it catches anglers. Yep. But bin appeal. Yeah, yeah, bin appeal exactly. So going I'm thinking about now the Susquehanna. That was in my mind. I knew you were talking about cicadas though. Is your black woolly bugger supposed to be the helger mice that live in there? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh and you know I just had a whole bunch of helger mice for my neighbor Todd try out for smallmouth so i got helgermite on the brain oh man yeah i mean i don't know what it is about that it's crack like i when i was a kid i remember having i was wearing my um it was the most ridiculous commercial for boots high high not high tens something but i was wearing my brother's hiking boots and i'm like what is that i'm like ow i look in and this helgermite is on my ankle like pinched (laughs) I had just just stepped in to like a pile of muck and got one. And this is ultralight spin fishing. I put that thing on. I caught like seven smallmouths. Oh, yeah. Like where I would normally drag a fly, nothing. But just drop. Like I didn't even cast. I would drop it under my feet and it was smallmouth. Yes. Like it's just. I don't know what it is about Helgermites. And I used to see kids growing up. You know, out the Shenandoah and the Potomac. Kids would just sell them on the side of the road for bait. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I don't get Don't write of off olive either. I mean, olive is a good imitation of them, too. Yep. Like a dark olive. Have you ever fished Homes Run for trout? Yeah. The Helgermites in there are like five inches long. Yeah. They're huge. I've actually never found one in there, but I believe you. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're they're monsters. Sweet. Yeah. That's good. There are so many crest bugs in there right now. Oh, man, through that really deep pool right at that first bend, yep. just put a freaking uh, indicator and... In Dead drifted through there, that'd be cool. We, we missed like an 18 inch rainbow not too long ago. I believe in that it. That hole. I believe it. Yeah, no, I've, I've caught holdover fish up there near that dam a bunch of times. Yeah, not, I mean, like you can go way down and try and catch up on, and you can catch fish, but like up near that dam, if you if you stay local to that dam, I mean, like there's a bunch of holes and little nooks and crannies in there. Does that suffice you for your trout needs after being spoiled living across? 
I haven't been to Homes Run in two years. All right. Well, of course, there's. I'm not against it in any way. I just, I just when now that I'm a weekend warrior, it's like. You know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna make my fishing count, it feels like I got to go up to Beaver Creek or whatever at least. Never done Beaver. Art and I were supposed to do it last year and it got canceled. Hmm. I don't really. I don't have time to, to drive anywhere to fish. Yeah. So that's why. If I'm if I'm fishing here, it's tidal basin. No, man, I'm looking forward to fishing with you because I mean, I, I'm just not taking advantage of this resource that we have right here. I mean, there's great fishing right at my doorstep in Alexandria and uh, you know I've tried on my own and I just need someone who has it dialed in to show me yeah yeah what uh, other streams did you hit up in Pennsylvania did falling springs I tried falling streams one time falling springs one time but I didn't do well um no reason you know, we got a gun pulled on us on there once <laughs> no way. it was the rosebud hole so old timers are gonna know the rosebud hole and it was public for years and we were walking in from the top and it mm. was no longer public it was posted walking up from the bottom. And the guy came out and was like, I am going to shoot you for trespassing. And we had just caught like an 18-inch tiger trout out of the rosebud <laughs> hole. Ding was so fat. Apparently because no one fishes it. That's why it was there. Hence the fish. Yeah. That was an interesting day. No, the one I hit a lot more that was right around Harrisburg is called Clark's Creek. And that's like a freestone that's... It's 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 stocked, but it's also got strong holdover ability. Um, I, I really liked Clark's a lot, and there's you know fishing right in the other valley right next to it that I never got to because the access wasn't as good. Um, in the Mazda. Uh, yeah, Mazda at that time. Yeah, still still the Mazda. I mean, but dude, I had I have this pontoon boat that fits. I just fold down the back seat in my of my car of my Mazda three and. It's just a sedan, the Seagull Folcat. Just shove it right in there, and it's a two-person pontoon boat. I've got bass boat seats on it, 360-degree swivel. So, wait, why are you and your wife fishing the shore for Shad? Why aren't you on that? Because uh, we couldn't get a boat at Fletcher's, and I didn't feel like loading up the Folcat. All right. That's the problem with the Folcat is it's a pain in the ass. Uh, I actually had it in Miles' basement for the last three years. Uh, and uh, only now that I've bought a house and have a shed have I reclaimed my ability to use it to its full potential. Right. Like before, it was in Miles' shed and it, in Miles' basement, and it, you know, I was I'm very grateful to Miles for letting me do that. Uh, it was a huge boon to me. But uh, now that I have a shed, it's like all possibilities are revealed. <laughs> That's why I love this backyard. I just throw my canoe back. I don't have a roof rack on this car. Is that's that right? my biggest problem. Yeah. I have to put, uh, I have PVC pipes with pool noodles over it. And of course the bamboo has grown up. I'm surprised that canoe is not like four feet off the ground. Uh huh. Because the bamboo has just grown up and just mm. stopped under it. Yeah, man. If anybody wants free bamboo. No. You got a pet no, panda. you don't. You no, don't. I'll cut it though. Like if you have a panda. The fun is that we put it on the fire pit. And it pops because the air in the chamber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fun to burn. The kids get excited. It's fun to burn. Fiji. Uh, Phi Gamma Delta was my fraternity. So we... Uh, Fiji. So I, I know we, that we were called Fiji, and so we would have an island party every year. And we would make a, you know insane structures out of bamboo. And then we burned it all. That must have sounded awesome. <laughs> it was great. It was great. We got the police called on us a couple yeah, times. I'm not sure my neighbor Jim next door would appreciate it. He doesn't like us. Uh, it made me too much noise, I think. They're quiet. He's the one that got bit by the raccoon three months ago. <laughs> it ran out of my yard and bit him. 
Okay. At like two in the afternoon. Okay. <laughs> I think I found a raccoon turd in my backyard today, but uh, I'm glad not to have encountered it personally. Yeah. <laughs> so you weren't based up at the Penn State, like the central, like... Right, State S- College. So no little J, Spruce Creek for you? Uh, not until I graduated. Uh, but I fished pens uh, a handful of times, um, and pens is just amazing. And, I never got to fish pens. I used oh, to fish the J yeah. all the time. I I've, since since I graduated the last I went up to the Little J for the first time last May and I went again this year and it is phenomenal. It is such a great fishery. I mean, I just wish we had that geology and water chemistry here that we didn't have to travel for it. Right. I wonder if the people up there just appreciate. It. No, they don't. But no. they're probably like those people in Northern Virginia. They have. There's got to be something. Like, you, well, but let me ask you this. Let me flip Peruvian. it on its head. Do you do you appreciate having all these restaurants around? Yeah, I was about to say, we have Peruvian chicken. Yeah. <laughs> I, so my, my friend up in Binghamton was like, going out for grilled chicken. And I'm like, do you have Peruvian chicken? You going out for that? He's like, what's Peruvian chicken? I'm like, dude. Pollo, uh, it's called chicken pollo down the street. It's a little redundant, but that's the best. I'm going to get me some chicken pollo pretty soon. Chicken pollo with in and dub. Double chicken. Yes, please. Oh, my God. Yeah, they don't know about the white sauce and the fried yucca. Oh, love. Like, you know, love yucca. Yeah, we have... Yucca. A Yemeni's restaurant next to a Korean restaurant next to a Peruvian restaurant. Nice. Like, you're not going to find that anywhere else in the country. Yeah, they got limestone. We got restaurants. Yeah. Yeah, we did Chewy's last night. It was a fundraiser. I punished the Chewy's chimichanga. Did you have a food baby? Oh, my God. I was walking out like... I mean, I do a food baby. <laughs> it was massive. Oh, it was so good. All right, so but man, like the fun thing about the Susquehanna is that I mean, the fish are big. You have so much water. Like you can be out so there much and water. You only need a half mile of river, and you can catch. That's a fidget spinner he's playing with. Yeah. Oh man, I went out. I went out before a hurricane one week, one day. Which one? Which hurricane? Uh. I'd have to look at my... Uh, what year was it? So it would have been 2012. Maybe 2011. Lee? No. Was it before Sandy? October? You know what? It was Sandy. That's when we were all camping up on uh, the Salmon River. Like, we need to leave. <laughs> like, we're like, the trees are going to topple and just land on our tents. Uh-huh. We drove home, Davenport, Rebecca and I left at like 8 p.m. Jason, producer Jason, left at the same time. But that was not a fun ride home. <laughs> so did the low pressure change anything? Oh, we caught so many fish. It was beautiful. My friend Nat caught a 21-inch uh, smallmouth that was just, you know, just the granddaddy of the river. It was such a cool fish. There's two crazy things that happen with, with hurricanes. is the fishing's great and babies are born. Because the barometric pressure inside the womb forces them out. Is that right? Yes. Nice. Bravo. Tell my wife. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, as a technical angler, like what you learned on the Latour and those other streams, going to New Zealand, were you able to just apply your knowledge there? And- I went to New Zealand before I was any kind of accomplished angler. Yeah. Oh, man. No, I mean, I New Zealand was... I, I was on the North Island, too, so I wasn't on, like, the technical island. Like... South Island is the technical island. North Island is like you get runs of fish out of these inland lakes that are like inland oceans. 
um, and it's totally, it's totally, totally, totally different. Um, so, what made you decide New Zealand? So before I was, I was studying abroad in in Australia. Where in Australia? Uh, Brisbane. Yeah. No, I took a class called Australia's Marine Environment. Did you recognize that? Yes, sir. Chippies. Chippies chicken salt. Yes, sir. I took a class called Australia's Marine Environment. It was one of three classes I took. Uh, and I got to take my spring break funded by my university on the Great Barrier Reef. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, it was, grandkids. it was prime. The Great Barrier Reef was this amazing thing back in the I day. did a night dive on the Great Barrier Reef when I saw a nudibranch. My dad just crossed it off his bucket list. He's been diving since the 60s. Oh, cool. So they went down there. Oh, it's the best. And it's going away. Yep. So then you got to fly to New Zealand. Uh, yeah, I spent 10 days in New Zealand. I rented a car and drove around the North Island. Did you do the shorts with the blue leggings? <laughs> That was like right at the beginning of that fad, and I was like, what is this? What is the purpose of this? I had waders. I had waders, and I had a brand new pair of felt boots, and they almost didn't let me in the country. <laughs> and I was like, dude, these boots are brand new. You can tell, and these boots would yeah. not be brand new. Yeah, when I flew into Australia, they just wanted to make sure my flies were dry. Not mm. that it mattered. The fishing, I mean, everything sucks in Canberra. Yeah, that's accurate. Did you go there? No. Oh, you're lucky. I was yeah. there for two weeks. It's not the cheapest can of beer was three dollars. Mm. Alcohol in Australia is based on alcohol per volume. Like the price is based on alcohol really by volume. Because yeah. a case of Heineken was seventy four dollars. I'll never forget that. I I took to drinking Chardonnay because value per volume. Like dollar per volume was it was just the best right. deal. But then Steph, who was our front desk lady at the hotel, made thirty dollars an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I kept thinking a little bit of socialism, not too bad a thing. I didn't understand the term. I kept thinking there's so many uh, gay couples in Australia because she kept saying like my partner, and then the the other desk woman's like, oh yeah, my partner and I went out to dinner last night, and then some of the you know the restaurants like my partner, and I was like, that means your boyfriend or your husband, right? So we were like, wow, this is a very progressive town. <laughs> no, man, I, I loved Australia. Australia is an awesome place. Yeah. They're all worried about their own immigration problems. They, they got a bunch of Asians invading their country. So that was illegal for a while, too, wasn't it? Uh, like people from Southeast Asia weren't allowed there? There was basically a bunch of racism, but it wasn't. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make any statement because yeah. I don't know. We don't want to go down that. Uh... Let's get back to New Zealand. All right. Yeah. So how was New Zealand? I had clients years ago that wanted to learn to fly fish with me because they were moving there. They were like 23 oh. and 24 year old couple living Kids. the dream. They they were they bought like 60 fly rods, and th- their job was renting them. Hundred dollars a day for a fly rod is what you can rent down there. Damn. That was their job. Well, New Zealand dollars. That's like 50 bucks. Okay. But still, like, your job is just renting fishing gear? Can't be that bad. No. That's a solid career path, have, if you ask me. We have a hot sauce cabinet. We have... Oh, man. Hot sauce is dope. I mean, I have a... Col- I'm building a collection, too. We have a hot sauce that will burn your skin for New Zealand. I don't know where it went. There's please, please. Place. I don't need to burn my skin. Yeah, but my wife loves it. Like, yeah, if it touches your flesh, it will leave a welt. I was telling Meredith, <laughs> Meredith McCord, who we need to get a catch-up uh, podcast with, I was just like, you got to try this when you're down there. 
So did you catch fish in New Zealand? I did. Um, was it like just stocking hands and knees, crystal clear water? No, 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 no. So it's more like uh, Great Lakes type fishing. Because uh, I was... I, I, oh, you're I North Island. North Island. I was around... <laughs> Lake I, Run Fish. Yeah. The, um, uh, the Tongariro River is the biggest um, tributary of Lake Taupo. Lake Taupo is... Look, look at Jones. See, he has no toenails, so he can't scratch himself. <laughs> yeah. Now, what dog doesn't have nails? <laughs> hey, what are you doing, dude? Yeah, he's got maybe one toenail per foot, so he's just trying to scratch himself and it doesn't work. That's why we step on him. You can't hear him on the hardwood floor. Oh, that's actually kind of nice. Yeah. You don't hear the click clack. No noise. Huh. So, so you're fishing in like. So have you done some steelhead fishing too up in the Great Lakes? I've tried it one time with Justin. We fished uh, the oak orchard, and I didn't catch a fish. Damn you, Justin, and your Pittsburgh Penguins! <laughs> There's been some nasty texts going back and forth this week. <laughs> <laughs> no man, Lake Taupo is it's like probably like a quarter of the size of Lake Erie. That's still pretty big. It's still huge. And it's an inland ocean for them. And these are all like McLeod River rainbow. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah yeah. Transported in the late eighteen hundreds, and so they live in the in the lake and they swim up the river to spawn. But they do it all year long. All year. All year. They're just confused in the southern hemisphere. The Coriolis effect. The temperature is just perfect. You know the average temperature, the average high, only varies by ten degrees Celsius. Throughout the whole year. Wow. Unlike so here. it's, I mean, I mean, the the Maori people's name for the island means the land of the long cloud because it, it's just consistent. That's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, you get these lake run fish and they're, you know, on average three to five pounds and they run up the Tongariro River and, you know, you can sight fish to them with nymphs and it's fun. Or you can deep nymph for them and that's fun. So what, what, what rod would you bring down there? Oh, Jesus Christ, you wouldn't want to fish it. I brought a five weight and it was so undergunned. Really? So undergunned. Uh, I would want would not want to fish it with less than a seven weight. I can't fish sevens. Something about them. Art's always like, you gotta have a seven. I'm like, it's like the redheaded stepchild as the term goes. I don't know. I mean, I'll do eights and sixes, but I'm, sevens are weird to me. Hmm. I fished a... I fished a borrowed rod on Lake Otamangakau, which is just like a spring-fed lake that has, you know, basically crest bugs everywhere. And it was a the tip was snapped off on the seven weight, so it fished more like an eight. Done that before for bonefish. Yeah, ten foot eight weight. I broke it while stringing it up. It was like a seven. Foot oh, ten foot eight weight's nice. That's like a little insurance policy, a little extra twelve inches of insurance. <laughs> that day sucked. What other crazy places have you gone to fish? Mm, I did Belize last year. That was nice. What did you get into down there? Caught my first permit. Oh, you caught a permit already? I caught a permit on my first cast, practically. Oh, holy crap. That's a that's an exaggeration, but as a permit angler, I basically might as well have gotten it in my infancy. Uh, and, you know, I caught it on a clouser, chartreuse clouser. It's a permit, man. It counts. Yeah. I've never seen a wild permit. The only permit I've ever seen... Well, no. Technically, I caught a permit. It was in a purse net, Moorhead City. It was about that big. 
like a silver dollar pancake. Nice. But I never saw one when I worked in the Keys, and I've never, other than Bass Pro Shops in Alamorada, I've never seen a permit. It's the luckiest thing that's ever happened to me, honestly. Uh, I mean, we were tarpon fishing, and there was a bare spot behind me, and I made a cast, you know, with the clouds I'm in, and I was fishing, and fish comes up and hits it, and I miss it. I'm like, shit. I pull the fly out, one back cast, pop it to the back end of the bare spot again, and fish comes up again, thank God. Two strips, and he's on. Fish wanted to eat. That's all it is. It's a happy fish. It wanted to eat. It it was the luckiest thing that's ever happened to me. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. People go people go to Placencia Belize to catch a permit, and they'll go two or three times or four times before they catch one. I basically got one within my first hour of fishing. I have no interest in, in permit. That's maybe, fair. Because I've never seen one or had the chance, but I'm like, that's just a hassle. I'd rather go for, and I don't want big, big uh, like tarpon. I, I, 15 pound tarpon, I'm good. Oh, me too, man. Me too. I'm not fighting a big thing all day. I'd rather catch more small fish. Oh, heck, you're speaking my language, man. Because I don't want to catch a 200 pound tarpon. That sounds like fucking work. I get tired. You know, I, 10 push ups and I'm tired. Why would I want to fight <laughs> a fish for two hours with my arm? I won't be able to hold a beer at the end of the day. Yeah. That's just, yeah. That's right. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing about permit. And you, they, it is totally visual. Yeah, I mean, you'll see them in shallow water. Their back dorsal fin and their tail will be coming out of the water. And they're black. The the fins are black. Right. And you'll see them underwater, you know, happy permit, you know, looking around for crabs. You'll make your cast. Your stupid fly will make a stupid splash. And that stupid fish will run away. Because it's like if you're taking a nap on a trampoline and someone jumped on the damn trampoline. That's what it's like when your fly hits the water around a permit. And so hooking them is... Can't, can't hold that. Yeah. That's too much for me. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the whole thing is that, the, uh, that it's just such a combination of luck and serendipity and catching a permit is an accomplishment any way you look at it. <coughs> what else did you get into down there? That was the only fish I caught the whole day. I had a I had a bonefish on for a second, and I had a bite from a tarpon. But I mean, that fish was the whole day. We're saving up for Bel Campo, Belize. Oh, sick! That's I want to do that. Are you done with the kids then? Nah, my parents will watch her. No, man. Oh, I am so pissed about Zika this oh, year. Yeah, oh yeah, we're done with kids, dude. Oh, oh good. Man, oh, that thing. Yeah, I've, I've had I got six year old man. I'm not the. Uh, I am not about to have any more kids. It's, it's tied in a knot right now. Good. God, I'm telling you, 5.55 this morning. But Dude. then again, she goes to bed. I mean, she can't stay up past like 7.30. Well, that's something at least. Yeah. She'll travel when we're older. Though. Yeah, she knows she can go steelhead fishing when she's 11. Okay. That's so, How did you choose 11? I don't know. I have no idea. I just chose 11. You know she's, symmetry, you know, symmetry. You know she uses a T-bar reel on her rod. <laughs> she's six. And she has a T-bar. <laughs> Lady knows what she needs. Yeah, yeah, she's funny. She'll start tying flies soon. She helped me clean up my tying room today. We'll go down there later. When are you gonna make her uh, clean a fish? If you hunt enough, you learn the truth. What you seek speaks a language. 
and knows it well. That's why every Primo's call for everything you hunt is made the right way. We sweat every detail so you get more out of every hunt and nothing leaves our hand until we know it'll work in yours. Because we don't just make the world's best calls, we speak the language. Primo's. Well, I don't even know how to, I don't eat fish. Oh man. Yes, no, so last weekend we were catching white perch and blue crabs and taking right to the kitchen. I was just gonna eat a plain burrito for dinner, like a plain tortilla shell for dinner with nothing in it. But I was like, I got some venison. So I had a venison taco. Okay. Other than that, yeah, I was just going to eat a plain flour tortilla wow. with just like hot sauce on it for dinner. Have you uh, ever eaten fried fish? Yeah, it's, I don't look fried fried and ghee. I love some ghee. Well, today the, we made pasta mama. So if you don't know what pasta mama is, look up the recipe. It's so while the pasta's cooking, you have another pan with chilies, pepper, garlic, and olive oil just cooking. Mm-hmm. Toss the pasta in that. Add. Uh, a beaten egg and a ton of parmesan and it's like the easiest dinner ever that's not bad yeah a lot of I, I use butter instead of oil tonight because my kid's scrawny man she needs to eat some calories yeah but yeah fish I, I watched an Anthony Bourdain episode where he had like fried fish on the beach that looked good but I, I don't look at fish and seafood dude I'm going to Vancouver and oh, Desolation Sound this, I did eat this summer I eat salmon in Vancouver once. you do? I did. It was 96 driving cross country. I'm not a salmon guy. I really, really... I mean, like, there there is fish and seafood that I will eat, but salmon has a flavor that is unmistakable to me that I will never be able to get past. My wife had salmon at the Embassy of Denmark last Monday that she said was the best in the world. And I'll give a shout-out to Chef Frida from the Swedish Embassy. I think she cooked it, but my wife is like, this is the best day of salmon. We're talking, like... Like Atlantic salmon float over on an airplane. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, so we're going we're going up to the north end of Desolation Sound. Oh my god! For Orca Camp. And so we, we're tied up pink intruders for that. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah, that's what it's for. Sketch me a picture. I'll get them for you. Deliver okay. that with some biltong. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. So what else? Uh, what other hatches? Was there a seasonality to fishing the Latorte? Did you like start picking up that like? Well, late summer is when the when you can actually get them on top in that mist uh, on the spinnerfall of the trichos. Trichos are an important hatch at the end of the summer. It's just a lot of protein in small amounts. Yeah, yeah but if yeah. you eat enough of them, you're full. Yeah, it's like Dan Devall always used to say. Uh, you eat one peanut every 60 seconds, you'll be full by the end of the day. Yeah. Like I say, you know, microwave popcorn, you can sit there and be like, oh, popcorn's not not big, but if you eat a whole bowl of popcorn, you're, you're going to have a food baby. Yeah. I'm glad you knew that term, too. <laughs> My girlfriend in college always talked about the food baby. I'm like, just don't eat that much. <laughs> she was like, she was tired. She couldn't eat that much. Yeah, so that I mean that that pretty much uh, that summarizes Pennsylvania for me was the Latorte, the Yellow Breaches, the Susquehanna, Clark's Creek. We even got to mention in. I mean, like that was my that was my ambit when I was up there. I mean, like, did you read any of the books by like the old dudes? I think I, you know I've only just started to collect them. I've only gotten right. I've only just recently gotten like Shank Marinero. I remember Ed Shank came to my Trout Unlimited. 
this must have been fall of 99. And he told, he said, was it Marinero or Fox? He's like, one of them was an old son of a bitch. But he was showing pictures, black and white slides of the 60s. And mm. we're talking like holding trout with your finger in the gills. Yeah. And they would like past your knee. Yeah. Like, yeah. He was talking about just the invention of the terrestrials. I mean, nobody fished tra- beetles, ants, and hoppers until those guys started doing it. It was a coffee bean half tied to a hook or glued. Then there was the Jason. I, I wish like I could have recorded it back then. Yeah. Like, that was just... It was golden. Yeah. No, man. I mean, I went to TU meetings up there and... Speaking of, you have some TU ink. I do. I've got a tattoo. It's, it's right... Which shoulder is it? My right shoulder. Yeah. Right. It was It was awesome because I, uh, I got the tattoo. I went to my, uh, my primary care physician the next week and he was like, what? Get naked. And I did. And he's no man. My primary care physician is like, is that the Trout Unlimited tattoo? It's pretty awesome. I'm like, yeah, actually, it is. Did they have fishing magazines in the office? No, but bro, I had no idea that this guy was a fisherman. I've been going to him for years. Nice. And so we connected. That's what fishing does. There you go. Do you want to hear about my season so far? Yeah, man. What have you been up to this year? Um. Weekend Warrior. We, we, yeah, Weekend Warrior entirely. I didn't fish. I basically didn't fish from Thanksgiving till beginning of April. Then April, we had all that high water, man. It was shit. It was rough here. It was really rough. As a guide, I already did a podcast about my stress as a guide during the shad season here. Like The, the people at the pool today were like, is this supposed to thunderstorm? And I'm like, well, you know, there were some cells in the Shenandoah Valley around 3 to 4. They're moving south-southwest about 8 miles an hour. <laughs> They're like, what? I'm like, no, seriously, I have to watch radar 24 hours a day. But yeah, dude, it... It was rough. Between the blowouts was a great year. Yeah. If anything, more fish get to spawn because less snaggers are killing them. That's right. That's the only silver lining to the floods. Yeah, and the fish are coming in at unpredictable times, and so the fish that would be otherwise harvested by said snaggers... Yeah, and you're. Are you, do, you, do you ever fish the Virginia side, or are you just DC? I don't know. Uh, you know the parking's so tough over there. I the spot I love is the bailing platform, that big hole. Mm-hmm. We went up there with the boat with Jason and Yoshi, and it was nothing but snakehead snaggers. I do want to eat one. They have one across the street. I brought them. Yeah, yeah. Eric has it. Yo, Eric, defrost that snakehead now. <laughs> he brought us some venison barbecue last week. Sounds like a, a lot good of, reciprocal a relationship. Lot of, yeah, a lot of hunters and anglers in this neighborhood. Nice. So I commiserate and talk. My buddy Max, we did the, uh, for you listeners, Max who did the Iceland podcast, he's moving to Cincinnati. So I'm, a little, uh, I'm a little pissed. Got to go out of the boat before. Because we were going to swap outboards. He's got a 20. He's like, dude, I would totally go for a smaller outboard. I'm like, well, I got a nine. Hmm. That would get me up to Fletcher's twice as fast. Hmm. I can't rent those boats. They're too rickety. The oars pop out. Yeah, they are what they are. I mean, it's just a, you know, your pretty standard rowboat. Dory, yeah. Dory. Those Dory, Dory, that's a great word for those boats. And they look historic. Like, you look at the old videos of dudes steelhead fishing in Washington from, like, the mid-last century. That's what the And you know Alex builds them. That's kind of cool. 
I, I, Look, I, I that, get Alex Jones. Shit, man, that's a heritage going back 200 years. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna shit on that. I bought my first drift boat from the Fletchers. Nice. Then a drunk lady hit it going 65. I didn't tell that story at the pool today. All right, so Shadron, and then you went into. So Shadron and was trying to get out for trout, and it was really tough for like a month because we had high water. Fish Beaver Creek one time. I have. So what's Beaver? I've never been there. So for listeners that want to fish Beaver, I know it's. Hagerstownish, yeah. So I've only done Healing Waters trips by the the old limestone building. I guess they make yeah the mill, the mill. Yeah, they make what do they like? Um, do they still make things there? I think they weave things there. But yeah, that day the the uh, pellet machine went off. Those fish were like thirty plus inches. Oh yeah, in a creek. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but that's that's below the public water. Yes, I I drive over it all the time, going to Ohio. Just yeah. like I pass the Savage and the Yak, and oh man, you can you should not be passing the Savage. You've met my wife, right? <laughs> There's no stopping on the way there. We stop. I got the burps. We stop in Morgantown at Sheets so I can get a bucket of fries for the ride home. So we, in Morgantown, we switch so I can eat a bucket of fries and sleep all the way to Columbus. Nice. You want to hear about the about beaver though? Um, I know there's there's big fish and there's the Beaver Creek Fly Shop, which apparently is just really well supported in our TPFR community. It is. Yeah. You lost a rod up there, right? No. No. Where'd you lose? You lost a net. You found a net. I lost a net at Fletcher's. Right. It was one of the long handled rubber bag nets that breaks my heart to have lost. I might be able to get you a handmade one out of wood. I'll buy it. Okay. All right, so let's talk about you fished New Zealand already, which is on everyone's list. It's the famous dreams in Pennsylvania locally. Where have you f- not fished that you want to fish? Alaska. That, dude, that's my number one, too. That's not fishing. That's just catching, right? Yeah, Alaska sounds fucking amazing. I'm reading the new John Gearak book, and it's all about Alaska. Really? I have not picked it up yet. Well, it's stellar. It's a... Uh, yeah, I'll fault the author for having republished some of his fly fisherman articles. Hope I'm getting the publication right. Uh, but it's all it's all gold. I mean, it's all just awesomeness. John Gearak has a voice like none other in our sport. I want to start rereading the stuff from like back in the day. So I can honestly say that when I was just. A spin fisherman who carried a fly rod. I read Sex, Death, and Fly Fishing in 93. Right. And I, I had to look up everything. I didn't know what he was talking about. But that was a huge inspiration to who, where I am now. You know what I tell people all the time is death, taxes, and leaky waders. <laughs> my waders are disgusting. My waders are like your old car. Ugh. Yeah, my uh, Honda Passport. Full of mold. It's like the inside. Full of mold. Full of leaks. Doesn't have a gas gauge that works. I, did you run out of gas? Because my old car, I didn't realize. Oh, we ran out of gas one time on a road trip. Yeah, yeah. The Miata doesn't have. My old car was ooh, lightning. My old old Miata didn't have a gas t- uh, gauge, and I didn't know Shit, that. Man, uh, my my odometer was reading two hundred sixty miles, and I was like, dude, you should probably pull over soon and get some gas. I told him this when we left DC, and we got forty miles down the road. It's gonna rain. Oh. 
here we go. Yes, that, that's great. That's fantastic. We've our my lawn is so parched. I don't see. I don't care about my lawn. Uh, it's not about the lawn. It's just a, that as how, a you indicator of where the ecosystem is at the moment, where the water table is at the moment. My lawn being brown as shit is an indicator that the streams are low and that we could use a shot of rain. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's cr- our, our yard's crunchy, which is why I've got to water. Because then I get the conundrum. Do I really want to grow my own food, but then do I want to pay the water for it when it stops raining midsummer here? we pay, you know When I lived in a condo, I'm like, whatever, dude, water's free. But now we get charged. Mm. Do I want to water jalapenos or just want to buy them at the store? Mm. Uh, you you want to water them yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my wife just made a decision on a uh, 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 a water can for watering the plants, and she, I, I I added one to the cart that was nine ninety nine. She looked she at Amazon and she found something that was fifty nine ninety nine. It's an aluminum one. It's gonna be gorgeous, though. It it was a gorgeous one. I told her to reconsider and find one that was cheaper, and she found one today that was twenty five dollars. And I'm proud of that woman. So our Brooke our, Brooke is Brooke is a hell of a woman. Our air conditioner, the water goes into our um, utility sink. So I put the watering can in that, and then every couple hours it fills up mm. with the condensation water. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. that's free water. Free water. Heck yeah, perfect for watering plants. All right. I'm jealous of your your herb garden here. This is really cool, and this is where I hope Brooke takes our garden. Uh, she's been growing lettuce and tomatoes and peppers and basil and mint. The mint. Hopefully, it's in a pot. No, no. It's not, unfortunately. Oh, it. To- I mean, it and another, some sort of vine. It's worse. It's like bamboo, man. It, it is. Yeah, we're gonna redo the terracing in front of my house. Uh, we've got these three terraces that are fronted with, you know, wood that's over twenty years old, and it just needs to be redone with rock or a longer lasting wood because twenty years is kind of bullshit, if you ask me. But it could be 40 years. It could be more. I don't know. And the house is built in 1940. So who knows? Uh, I think it's 20 years. Anyways. Uh, she's been building... She's been creating a garden out there for you know, peppers. Uh, green peppers. Uh, tomatoes. Basil. Lettuce. And then the mint has been there. And Pe- peppers love this dryness, though. They're going to go crazy. Oh, our peppers are, are yeah, going crazy. It's a great 100%. climate for that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, speaking of climates, where where are you headed? What's you got Alaska? What's next? I want to catch one of those dollies. Yeah. It's it. It's like bycatch. Like I was fishing uh, another and, dolly. Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. having never been Arctic there, char man. I want to ca- catch an Arctic yeah. char. That just the colors look like they're on. My fire. wife is talking about Iceland, and I'm like, yes, please, yes, please. I'm just gonna need to make a three hour road trip there and back. Uh, yeah. it, one day. That's all I ask, Brooke. Oh Brooke, you can you can spare me a day, right? Uh, one of my clients is going there this summer with his cousin. I'm like, dude, just take your rod because you don't know what you just don't know. Yeah, that's the wonderful thing about fly rods is that they pack into four pieces. Yeah, and they fit and ship. That's the one thing we have over spinning rods that you know you got to go to a custom rod builder to get a four piece spinning rod. My uh, most of my fly rods will fit horizontally in my lo- my overhead. Uh. 
But any day now, I've got the Orvis... Uh, safe Rocky. Passage. I've got the Orvis Safe Passage. But my big decision was that and Temple Fork Outfitters. Ah, yeah. Because they have, like, fork. sunglass holders and box holders. But then, that's extra stitchy. That's just extra weight. So I'm going to see. Yep. Yep, fair enough. Uh, Evaluate your choices. All right, all right so Alaska... That would what be else? number one on my bucket list right now. I'm going to guess some kind Canada of... Canada for smallmouth bass. Hawkeye Lodge. Hawk Lodge. Something like that. Uh, as amazing... Is that, are those the ones that live in the lakes? That glacial just, ponds. And they're up against the walls and they'll just crush top water? Yellow popper. All you need. And you just go crush... 18, 19, 20-inch smallmouth all day long. I've all made, day long. I've maybe caught one smallmouth that big in my entire life. Is that right? Yeah. No, that's not true. And I was with the You've client. caught more 20-inch smallmouth than that. Maybe one. It was at Scott's Run, and he's like, I want to see you cast. And I'm like, all right. So I've got a foam fly box that's got flies from like 16 years in it and mm. I'm like alright the ugliest this is an old Orvis woolly bugger <laughs> and I put it on and I'm in 6 inches of water and I catch like an 18 inch smallmouth, and I was like I'm really sorry about that I'm like that fish was definitely meant for you <laughs> and he took a picture of me with it I was like yeah that was not what I was expecting yeah. But it, it gave me like uh, insight into that a smallmouth that big would be in the that shade. Kind of water. Have you done Scott's Run before? Yes. yes that's yeah. some pretty water. That's mm. this urban. Mm. That's right. That's right. It is. What about Atlantic Salmon? Do you want to do like Scotland, Ireland? So that's what I'm planning for next summer is Atlantic oh. Salmon. That is that is the reach trip for next year. I have to talk to our Scottish friends with the, the app. So Justin, Justin fished with them. We're not going to Scotland. So oh. we're, we're going to uh, the east coast of Canada, Newfoundland. All right. Uh, with uh, Kyle, Kyle, who just recently got a job in Maine, and he's going to drive a car, and we're going to, and that'll help with the logistics, and we're going to go do Newfoundland on the cheap, and maybe we'll talk to some of those okay fellows, but... Um, Do you want, I have one of their magazines. It's in French. Do you read French? Oui, je parle français. Alright, I'll get it before you go. I picked it up at a coffee shop in Montreal. Mm. You're going to have to pick me up uh, the red berry candies. I will. Phenomenal. I will. Um, so, Atlantic Salmon, though. Uh, I'm so looking forward to tying some bombers. I have to tell you, that is such a cool fly that I can't wait to tie in like a 14 or a 16... For brookies have around you here and just floating that with smallies? a dropper behind it. If you're throwing for smallies? A bomber for smallies yeah. would slay. No it's question. I always wanted to, but I don't have any bombers. And Dude, I, don't, I don't do deer hair. Why no deer hair? It's not hard to work with. It really is. It just creates guy. a mess. Yeah, well, I'm a mess regardless. I like the foam. Foam is awesome. Yeah, that's it gets torn up. The awesome thing about hair is that it, A, it's durable, B, it floats forever. What part of the deer? You can reform it. Just the body hair. Body hair? Not like, you can't use bucktail, right? Bucktail compresses very little, and you want this hair to compress a lot when you spin it around the hook with 6 aught thread. 6 aught? Uh, 6 o. Yeah, wow. 6 
old-fashioned. I would be, oh. I'd break every... Yeah, I can't. All right, so Atlantics. What about uh, any other saltwater fish? Uh, I've been recently really enjoying exploring the Chesapeake Bay. All right. Uh, have yeah. you done catenaros in your boat yet? No, man. Catenaros. I don't have a dust. motor on my boat that would be able to manage yeah. with the distances and the tides current that you're you could do it dealing with. I mean, you can do it out of a kayak. Right. I have a kayak. I took my old Orvis one-man pontoon there. I was fine. It's so time. My, 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 my full cat would not do well. So I, I need a trolling motor at the very thin least, right. and I don't even have one of those right now. A gas two-stroke, four-stroke motor would be perfect, but I don't even got none of that. So I, I was in my Orvis pontoon with our old friend Ben Love, who no one knows where Ben is, but Tom throws a firecracker, like an M80 or a Black Cat at me. Mm. It bounces on the pontoon, launches, and explodes. <laughs> I drop my Orvis T3 with, I don't know, like a bat and kill large R, like $600 worth of gear. Oh, and luckily, son. I reached it in time, grabbed the rod, and like. Good good work, my man. Oh, my God. Good. So when I was single. play. Good play. <laughs> when you were single, when I was single, I used to fish out there every Friday or Saturday. Ah. My, yeah, it was. We would close up Orvis and drive straight to the Bay Bridge and over. Fished. I mean, yeah, we were kids. Fish till like three or four in the morning. Go home, sleep. Literally, you'd get into one side of the bed, roll over, and mm. get out. And mm. it was time to go to Orvis mm. to work out. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness! But yeah, the striper thumb. Like your thumbs were shredded. Yes, Just sir. 20 inch stripers in every cast. Yes, sir. That's why the guys, they don't lift them ever. They bring a steel hook that removes the barbless flies from their mouths post haste. So if you post haste. You Just something? did it this weekend. Whereabouts? Tangier Sound. Which is now which, Tangier Crisfield, Maryland. Okay. So we left out of Crisfield, Maryland. There's Smith Island and Tangier Island. So way down. Way down the eastern side of the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland. So this has got to go back to the global warming bit because that island is just drowning. Tangier Island. Yeah, man. We were there and they were burning their trash because it's cheaper to burn their trash than it is to ship it by ferry back to the mainland. And that's the kind of place you're talking about when you talk about Smith and Tangier Island. Is a place where, goddamn, that's the that. It was only the twelfth tree I knew of on this island. Twelve? Yes, sir. Wow. Dozen trees on this island inhabited by, you know, three hundred people. And it just floods at high tide or on moon tides yeah. or on hurricane tides. Tides seem to flood Smith and Tangier Island. And so there's this freaking fishery built around submerged Stumps. That used to be dry. Yes. Trees that have died that are now stumps under four to six feet of water, depending on the tide. And you were there during full moon? I was there a few days after. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We actually fished in incoming tide, so it wasn't like we were fishing when there was a flood tide all the way up. We fished actually the reverse. We fished uh, from uh, uh, a low first two hours were low tide next four hours 
were uh, a flood tide, you know, coming in. And uh, we caught fish the whole day. Actually. Stripers, sea trout. Uh, we caught eight specks and many handfuls of striped bass. How big were the stripers? All under the keeping size. Uh, so 20 inches being a, a keeper size. We caught them 16 to 19 inches Three, all day long. Four or five-year-old fish. That's right. Yeah. That's right, yeah. So fish that are not migratory yet, but are staying close to the grass beds. and All that food. Follow that food, man. And you know what? It was a fantastic day of fishing. I mean, we, we, we had clean them. water because of the incoming tide, and so we okay. were sight fishing to these speckled trout and the stripers. Do you want to hit up like... I've fished in Europe, yeah. Whereabouts? Belgium. How was that? In west Western Germany. Uh, I did not do very well. I snagglepussed a... Uh, German carp in the dorsal fin. And it was like a six-pound fish, and it fought me for like now, twenty minutes. <laughs> due to German law, you <laughs> caught it. Did you have to kill it? Or was that you know what? I didn't. The German I didn't. Laws I, didn't I didn't kill it. I didn't know what the local uh, jurisdictional whatever local ordinance would have been on whether I should have kept right. it or thrown it back. Uh, I, I had a permit to fish this 200 yards of stream that I bought from a local store and I was determined to fish it and I did and I caught a fish and you know what I wasn't going to eat the fucking fish so I put it back how was the food I'm more concerned snops in Germany were you at Lowland or Highlands I was with my family to include my mother and my sister and my uh, uncle okay my uncle and I went out how old were you this trip um, I'm trying to remember. I want to say twenty years old. Uh-huh. And we were at my uncle's hunting cabin in the Black Forest of Germany. He made a funny joke. He said, uh, "You know, Strasbourg, Sonnenberg, Oldenburg, all these birds." He, he used to write poetry. He still writes poetry, I'm sure, but he was more prolific back in the day. And the funny thing about it is that he would write poetry in uh, in Dutch, essentially Flemish. He, yeah. He's from the north part of Belgium. He would write poetry in Flemish, and it was one of the most interesting experiences of my life, listening to him talk about, you know, his, his experiences in the war, his experiences after the war, growing a business. He had a thriving, successful furniture business uh, in Belgium post-World War II. Very industrious man. Has a wonderful set of properties now, including the one in the Black Forest. And we were there. My That's where I taught my little sister to drive a clutch, car, a manual car. Right. Not easy to do. No, no, no. Is, is that that's like something like teaching fly fishing? It's not someone you're supposed to teach that's related to you. That's right. You don't want to risk the relationship. Yeah, it's a stupid thing to do. Go into business, transact a legal relationship, or teach to drive a manual car. 
<laughs> Don't do that with your family. Yeah. I implore you. Yeah. But anyways, it was a, a three to six pound fish that I hooked in the dorsal fin that took me 20 minutes to land. And I was sitting there and, you know what, I did not know that they had these laws about uh, the humane treatment right. of animals. And their view of the matter is that the humane treatment is to kill the fish and harvest it because you subjected it to uh, such a horrendous thing as removing it from its environment. Surely if you or I were dragged underwater and almost suffocated for five to six minutes, I would come out the other side of that with a different brain that connected synapses in different ways. I'd still like to go back to the air, though, not get eaten. Not get a big big rock to the head. You know what? I think I agree with you. And so that's what's so weird about this law in Germany, that they have to kill the fish that they catch as a method of harvest because you don't want to somehow I don't know the trauma is too much for it to live traumatize a trout Uh, they get traumatized daily by herons they get traumatized daily by shadows flickering over their water I mean like it's just a, a a very basic instinct for an animal it's yeah, there's a shot of adrenaline if you get hooked, but it's, it's not. I don't know. You don't have to harvest that fish, is what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. So what about like what about Kamchatka? Want to go there? Uh, if the plane flight weren't so onerous, dangerous. onerous, 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 not dangerous, onerous. It's a twenty-hour plus travel day. It's like the same if you go to the lakes region of Argentina. It's like a 20-hour travel day. Do I want to do it? Hell yeah. Absolutely. Who am I going to convince to go with me? Not my family. It's a lot of coffee. So uh, I got to have a lot of uh, uh, means, in my opinion, before I even bring that up. For the meantime, fishing around here is wonderful. Yeah. What about anywhere else in the continental? No question, Montana. Drove through, never fished. Uh, I've fished there before, but not like the Spring Creeks, not like... I want to do just like a lazy drift boat float throwing chubby Chernobyls all day. Ugh, yes. Yes. The Gallatin, I think, is would be like that. Uh, you know, there's a, a couple of streams that really stand out for that kind of freestone-type fishing with a tractor foam dries. Yeah. You know what? The first time I ever fished the Savage River, though... I fished it with size 12 tractor drives and did really, really well. And so it's you don't have to go west necessarily for that kind of right. fishing. Uh, but the first time I ever fished Savage and subsequent times have had similar experiences. Uh, I, I want to go to Montana and Wyoming to visit my cousin. He's a six foot eight Mexican man. He's a big dude. Hopefully uh, you don't have to buy dinner because he'll have like six burgers. You know what? You would you could feed Beto whatever you wanted, and he would be happy about it because he's just that amiable a person. He's he's the nicest, sweetest human being you've ever met in your life. Where are they? He lives in uh, about an hour and a half on a ranch outside Sheridan, Wyoming. It's a rancher. Uh, cowpoke. Wow, real authentic Western dude. Cowpoke. Uh, so I want to go visit him and fish 
fork, the Henry's fork, with him. I'm going to make that happen just soon as Hallow I can. ground. Hallow ground. I mean, consider that you lived on the Latour. I mean, do you know how many people that would kill for that opportunity? Uh, did yeah. you appreciate it when you were there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd sleep in and I'd be like, God damn, why wasn't I out fishing the Latour this morning? That was dumb. Why did you get that hammered with your friends? <laughs> Yeah, the Latorte. Beautiful piece of water. Beautiful. Lower down. Forgotten about. I've only fished maybe 100 yards. Just that one stretch where, uh, I know there's the mailbox by the Hawthorne tree. That was it. I never really got to explore too much else. So you I mean, this you is back in the day. Of- you wouldn't have wandered much more than off of 81, basically. Yeah. So, nor- like, uh, actually, it's. Dude, we're talking the Lorem Topo map only. Pre Google, pre smartphone. I mean, this is bad. I really like the stretch above 81, north of 81. Okay. Uh, it can be really, really, really good. And, uh, uh, Rob, no, I love, love the opportunities I've been given in this life. And, if if you, you know, didn't have fly fishing, like, I don't know what, I, if you took fly fishing out of my life, I don't know what I'd be. Same for, I mean, it sounds like that's your weekend. Well, I mean, no, you got to balance the wife the and dog fishing with the life. Yeah, you know the details, but the fishing with the life has to roughly equal the size of the other. You can have a really rich fishing life if you have a really rich family life. And you know what a really rich family life takes? Time. Yep. Investment. I'm hoping to get my family out for so Father's Day this weekend. Yeah, I want to do Mallow's Bay in the stealth craft mm. and go look at the shipwrecks. Mm. Have you been out there before? I've seen aerial pictures. Yeah, I, I didn't even know that place existed near us till two years ago. The whole my buddy's like, dude, let's go fish Mallow's Bay for the snakehead tournament. I'm like, gonna get myself Bay. a two stroke and we're gonna go up there. Yeah, or I'll get you to show Take me. Take my drift boat. And then my neighbor Scott from Scotland. I, I actually knew him as an Orvis customer before I realized he was one of my neighbors. Ah. He's like, the Shark Tooth Beach is 10 minutes from there. So then if we go around and we're kind of done with Mallows, we can go look for, like, Carcarion, Carcar... The, the Megalodon. Carcarius Carcaridon. Oh. Like, huge shark teeth. Like, six inches across. You can find 30 minutes from here. Who might... What, what, you're talking about a fish species, right? The great white. Like, you see the picture of the black and white of the four dudes in front of the jaw? Yeah. Carcarius carcaridon. Oh, okay. So, oh, yeah, yeah, We do get great whites up on the east coast around here. Yeah. And, and north of us, yeah. So yeah, all the way up to Long Island, we get we get great whites, yeah. And probably further than that uh, if you go way offshore, yeah. So Kiersey's scared that there's going to be sharks at Mallow's Bay. Oh, no. No, no, no. Try to argue that with a six-year-old dude. Yeah, no. Who thinks the ferry houses out front are occupied by ferries? I bought a uh, ferry. Little baby off. girl, I will catch the biggest fish in this bay, and it will not frighten you. I promise. I uh, I just got her a ferry Adirondack chair to put in a garden, mm. so she she'll think that the ferries got new furniture. Oh. She's six. Oh, it's pretty great. I've I've made care. So she's. A wonderfully cute girl, okay. and, and animated, and and just adorable. All right, so let's let's end up on uh, 
couple questions. One, if you had a superpower to make you a better angler, what would it be? Echolocation. Alright. One dry fly for trout, what would you go with? Parachute Adams. Gray. Nymph with, for trout? Or or oh, Parachute Adams with gray, or or actually a uh, uh, parachute hairs here with a, a, a lime green ribbing of thread. Alright. Nymph? Sexy hairs here. Streamer for trout? Uh, slump buster. Dry fly for smallies. Huh. Dahlberg diver. Alright. Wet fly for smallies? Black. Black. Bully bugger? Bully bugger. And if you... <laughs> I don't need to ask you permit flies. Like, we've that dialed. You know, I think that the uh, chartreuse plaza is an underrated permit fly. Yeah. All right. Are you on social media or anything? People can follow you? Uh, I have an Instagram at uh, District Fly Fishing. There we go. Uh, it's it, I occasionally link to Tumblr as well, where I'll blog about things. But, yeah, no, just uh, not feeling any pressure to publish or share secrets you know it's just when I do well share with the world right on alright dude thank you right on alright dude thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast for more information or to contact Rob please go to www.robsnowwhite.com I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.